We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the vault. As always, I'm Bobby Trossett, joined by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. We're taping this on Tuesday, April 25th, which means we are just a matter of hours, really days out from the 2023 NFL Draft. We're fired up for marathon coverage beginning at 8 o'clock Eastern, Thursday, April 27th. We're going, we keep saying we're going till midnight, but Sarah, we both know that this draft this show, like this, the entertainment value, sometimes it goes well past midnight. Hopefully not for our sake, because we have a busy <laughs> few days coming up this weekend, but we will go uh, as long as coverage goes. And obviously we're going to be taking a, a Ravens perspective on everything. And based on our guest list, that's starting to come together. I'm, I'm pretty excited and hopefully folks will consider you know, joining us for at least part of the evening. Yeah, I mean, if, if they trade back, then who knows how late this will go. Uh, that's the only bad thing about trading back. I'll tell you what's the worst. I'm trying to remember what year this was. It's when they trade completely out of the first round. You've been up all night, and it's like, oh, man, there's not even a pick tonight to talk about. So uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But, yeah, we've got a great lineup. I'm super excited. Going to talk to uh, Jerry Sandusky, voice of the Ravens, former Public relations head of the Ravens, Kevin Byrne. I'm super excited to talk to, with him. I haven't talked to him for years since we worked together. Uh, Femi Ayambadejo, Super Bowl winner with the Ravens. And then um, Cole, Cole Jackson, uh, who really will give us a nice prospect analysis. Each one of these guys will bring something different. I'm super excited to talk to all of them. Oh, yeah. And in Kevin's case, you think about like, you talk about perspective, I mean, yeah. it's going to be draft night. He spent his entire career with this organization. You know, and I just, I, I can't wait to hear from him just like, hey, what is the inner workings of a draft night like, specifically in the first round? So that'll be one of many conversations we dive into with uh, really a Ravens Hall of Famer and Kevin Byrne. And I know you, yeah. you spent quite a bit of your career with him. I just caught the tail end of him before he retired. Uh, I joined the Ravens radio team in 2019, and I believe he retired in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, we're right around right. there. But, uh, but, but yeah, whether it was a year or 10 years, I understood the importance uh, that he meant to that organization. And, and um, he kind of, his, his feel and, and his impact, his legacy that he left behind is, is certainly still very, um, very felt. So Without further ado, let's get into this month's mailbag episode. As always, we prioritize our patrons and their submissions that they send in. They submit to us on a monthly basis and they support us through Patreon. You can do the same if you haven't done so yet and you're interested in supporting the channel and also getting involved in, in our monthly mailbag episodes by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. Of course, we'll, we'll get to all questions, all submissions that come in. But we will begin with our first patron of this episode, and that is Jason Zarotniak. He writes, you two have spoken on the vault about the possibility of Patrick Queen being traded during this weekend's draft for a pick or perhaps picks. Who else currently on the roster would you consider potentially on the trade block? And what sort of capital could they garner for EDC? Thank you for all that you do. Love the show. We'll begin with you, Sarah. What do you think? 
there's nobody that sticks out to me. I just, you know, went through the the roster. There's really nobody that sticks out. Now, if there's, I mean, nobody that they'd shop. Now, if they're trying to, let's just take DeAndre Hopkins, for example. Um, if If the Ravens were to really trade for him, I don't know that they're like shopping somebody else, but let's say the Arizona Cardinals were like looking through the Ravens roster and wanted somebody back. I could see them wanting a receiver because uh, they would need one. And I don't think that they would be like, oh yeah, James Prochet is the guy we're looking for. So maybe something closer to like a, a Devin Duvernay or whatever. I mean, so, but there's nobody that I really think the Ravens are shopping. It would be more like if they're trying to get another guy and those guys are like, okay, we need something in return. Sure. Sure. Well, we got to, so we got to remember obviously that Chuck Clark was looked at as the biggest candidate for Jason's question and he's gone. He, he's yeah. in New York. They picked up an extra, they picked up a pick of, and I believe it was in, in 2024, if I'm not mistaken for Chuck. So that's, that's done. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Devin Duvernay because I looked at this question. I pulled up the depth chart. I'm looking at it and I'm looking for like luxurious position groups, right? Like what, what are the the Ravens' luxuries right now? And I thought to myself, well, they're more than likely going to add a wide receiver via the draft. They've brought in Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, you have this DeAndre Hopkins buzz hanging over everyone's heads, even though the last time we discussed it here on the vault was sort of Josina Anderson quieting things just based on his expensive base salary that we've covered in detail. Uh, around 20 million or so for the 2023 season. But regardless, I, I do kind of see Devin as a luxury if if they're going to bring in sort of a, a shifty, you know, twitchy, um, like fast a Zay Flowers. Speed exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because then all of a sudden your room, your wide receiver room in no specific order looks like Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, a rookie to be named. Nelson Aguilar, right there, you already have four. You got Prochet and 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 Wallace on the roster. Is Demar is our guy Demarcus Robinson going to be back in the picture? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> We've had fun with that before. Andy Isabella, you don't want to forget about him. He, he got some time out there. I'm not sure he's going to make the 53 man, uh, but he's sort of a speed guy. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. Could it be Duvernay? I, I look everywhere else on the roster and I think to myself, okay, tight ends are. Super, super luxurious here with with Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and Charlie Kohler. But I think they like Likely too much, and they, and they kind of took a chance on Likely too much to uh, – not that a fourth-round pick's too much of a chance, but I don't, I don't know if they'd be ready to move on from him at this point. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it would all just be about, well, does it mean that we get our guy somewhere else? You know, so – um, but I see what you're saying with like Kohler, like if, if the Ravens, again, we're trying to get like a Deandre Hopkins and they're like, I, I don't know the, the Cardinals tight end depth chart. So I'm just, you, you know, using this as an example, if they needed a tight end, they could be like, all right, well, you want Hopkins. You don't want to give up huge draft picks, hook us up with, you know, Kohler or, or something like that. So again, I don't think these are any guys that the Ravens are shopping, but I agree with you that you're sure. looking at where's, where's some, like, where's some, um, some places where like somebody like Kolar is not going to get a ton of playing time because of who's ahead of him or Duvernay might not. If like you said, they got a Zay flowers or a um, Josh. Uh, I got to look him up. The North Josh Carolina Downs kid, Josh Downs. Yeah, yep. yeah. 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 Those, those type of guys. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we can't use them all. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that you could do there. So, yeah. all right. Next question. Uh, patron from Joel Harmon. I'm going to need your help on this because I can't re really remember. <laughs> this is good. Hello, Sarah and Bobby. You've mentioned that you've had disagreements outside of the podcast, but present an aligned view during the podcast. What's funny is I think they come across more aligned in our morning vaults because there's really no time to debate. You know what I mean? And so like, we yes. just, kind of present the information, give a quick opinion and move on. And I think it's more in shows like these where like we can really dig into our disagreements. Um, but yeah, that's probably why it comes across as aligned. Um, and so he says, what is the biggest yet respectful disagreement you've had? Thanks. What, what do you think, Bobby? 
I think it's a great opportunity first and foremost to kind of, yeah, we're going to peel back the curtain or whatever, but, but just talk a little bit about our mission, you know, and what our objectives are for these morning vaults. I mean, you, you, as the, you know, the content guru for all the time that you spent with the, you know, the Ravens organization and whatnot, you were really clear from the jump when we were launching this thing, Hey, you know, the morning vaults should be very straightforward. They should be newsy. They should be quick hitting, you know, they should be fast paced. And I was totally on board with that. So yeah, sometimes we, we do, come across as if we're aligned on everything, but I think that might be overlooking what, um, what the vault purpose is on a, on a daily basis. So, um, I think there's a lot of times where we wish we could expand on things. Right. But we're like, well, wait a second, this design, this is designed for the morning commute. You know, we got to go between 15 and 25 minutes. And sometimes we get going because we get on our soapboxes. That's how it goes. Um, but but that does I feel like in season when we're constantly doing live streams and instant reactions and, you know, all kinds of like longer form types of episodes, even though there's been plenty this off season, I do feel like that, that we probably tend to have our disagreements more so in season. But I think the most recent one is just the fact that, um, you know, not the fact, but the, related to the Lamar Jackson negotiation process that that's over two years running now. I think mm -hmm. where I, when, when I really started to take a stance on this is when the um, NFLPA leaked contractual figures went to uh, Schefter and Mortensen last month. And I really started to think to myself after seeing those figures and, and comparing them to the market and whatnot. And yeah, they were, you know, different than, than Deshaun Watson's, but as, as the market continues to, be the market Deshaun's looks like more of an anomaly by the day and so I sort of took the stance that you know Lamar's the one prolonging this process and I think you've been very consistent with you know both sides doing their due diligence Lamar's continuing to fight for what he feels he deserves you know the Ravens are are, are you I, I think you've you've made it clear that the Ravens have presented a fair offer mm -hmm. um but when I look at the market I'm just like oh man Lamar it's it's tough at this point to man, you've been offered a heck of a deal. You know, you ready to get this thing across the finish line? Let's go. You know, team building is, I know they can team build regardless. We've covered that extensively, uh, but I have taken that stance and I, I do kind of stand by it. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like um, when you have a disagreement about um, a contract, it's both sides are, are digging their heels in. Now, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you're, what you're basically saying is like, well, based off the market, you feel like Lamar has overvalued himself. And therefore, if if he's asking more than what the market is giving, then it's him who's prolonging it. Is that that's kind of what you're saying, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I just stopped short of that because to me, it's like, OK, I mean, it's true. Facts are facts up to this point with the non-exclusive tag on him. Um, the market is saying that the Ravens are offering him the most money because nobody's offering him anything. Now, here's the problem, though, is one could argue, all right, take off that that franchise tag and maybe he could get closer to the money that he wants. Therefore, if he chooses to and he wants to go the Kirk Cousins route, he has that prerogative. He said he, he may want to make it to the market totally unencumbered with a threat of the Ravens matching or the, and I think that's actually bigger than the two first round picks, which is why I was, I, we, we kind of disagreed a little bit about whether or not the jets got fleeced by the, by the Packers with, with uh, um, the trade compensation and um, which we try to get into a little bit in the morning vault, but obviously needed to move on pretty quickly because you can get lost in the numbers and whatnot. Um and so to me, it's like it's not even the two first round picks because I think teams would be willing to give it up. I really do wonder if it's more like the Ravens are going to match it. And and while I have said many times, if it's Lamar's prerogative to not want to have an agent, I do wonder if some people are just prefer to negotiate with agents um, because that's more what their preference is. And so but, yeah, I think it's the threat of the Ravens matching more than anything. So. um if if Lamar is principled with that and is still wanting to try to prove that the guaranteed money is like a principle and he's trying to do something for the league, which is what um, 
uh, Calais Campbell kind of alluded to when he was on the Josina right. Anderson show with the crew. Now he made it sound like maybe he's softening on that, but again, and he said, I haven't talked to Lamar. It was kind of his impression. It was his impression that Lamar wanted to do something for the league. And if Calais Campbell's impression is correct, and that's what Lamar is, is really fighting for, then that's not just him prolonging it. That's him trying to make a principled stand. And that's fine for me. Now, he may up, may end up losing, right, in the end. Um, but maybe he wants to take that risk and see what happens if he were to hit the market as an unrestricted agent. So so anyway, that's why I, I agree with you. And But stop stop short of it. Because it's like, yes, so far the market is saying that the Ravens are offering you the most money. Take it and let's move forward. Right. And so but if there's something bigger going on, like trying to bring guaranteed money to the league, then he's clearly willing to sacrifice that money uh, in the short term term to do something bigger for the league. Elias using past tense the way that we shared earlier yeah. this week, uh, I guess it was last week at this point was was pretty significant. Again, he, you know, he, he kept underscoring, making it very clear that that he hasn't spoken to Lamar since the beginning of free agency. But we all know that Calais is incredibly intelligent and understands this the business side of this league, right? He's worked extensively over his career, his, his eventual Hall of Fame career with the Players Association. So I think he was getting at something there. You know, one, one thing we didn't mention too about, and we, we, well, we mentioned it on this morning's vault, but just want to revisit it quickly too with the whole uh, no agent thing and some of the hesitancy out there from from teams sending in offer sheets you know obviously first and foremost with the ravens having the ability uh to to match anything that were to come in and i'm not going to talk about the postseason struggles because other players have been paid without any kind of postseason resume i.e kyler murray um but i do want to talk about the unavailability of lamar you know i think that has to be a factor in here as well he's missed a, a lot of games back-to-back -back decembers you know when it matters most so i think for us to to not acknowledge that which i'm not saying that you aren't purposely we just haven't yet um well, i feel like we, that, but, that should probably but be I, a factor too right that's probably a that's probably where we might disagree a little bit like i totally like i think it's probably a fact that other player that other teams have that um, fear. And so if they do, then that's just a fact. And that's something that Lamar has to work over because anytime you hear, and it's all these different journalists, whether they're national or local guys, they all name that as a concern. Um, so, you know, perception is reality when it comes to, I'm not giving you an offer because that scares me off a little bit. Um, my personal view is that it was the timing of his injuries that are freaking people out because if he had those injuries um which were sure. not season were not season ending if he had those in September and then he came back and saved the day like had went on win streaks like he had in the beginning before he got hurt then he'd come back and then he's even a bigger hero and then people are like holy moly look at you know he's he really is superman you know and so and so they just haven't been these big season enders it was more that they happened in basically like early December or, you know, late November. And so, you know, I just think the timing of them are super unfortunate because these aren't, you know, him having to go get, I, I, as far as I know, he hasn't had to have a single surgery. So, you know, these are more minor, you know, you've got, you know, somebody like o OBJ who's coming off of technically his, you know, his second ACL tear. There's some gray area there of like, you know, it was already, you know, it already wasn't totally healed you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, or like Dobbins is coming off, you know, Gus is coming off. Of, Lamar's never had surgery. And so to me, it was more the timing of them. And because of that, it puts a magnifying glass on it. It's, it's truly horrific timing for him. And yeah. you got to feel for him, you know, because yeah. in, in, in both situations, right, when he goes down, where are the Ravens? At the top of the AFC, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and they yeah. were in great position. And uh, you're asking a lot, obviously, of a backup quarterback, who, by the way, is now officially under contract for the 2023 season. Tyler Snoop Huntley has signed his tender just around $2 million or so. So it's an economical one. And they're going to keep Snoop in Baltimore for another year or so. Uh, appreciate the question, Joel. Obviously, uh, you know, Sarah and I, we don't we aren't aligned on everything, but uh, we, we love a good back and forth for sure.
The next one is in from Ryan Banbury. Hey, Bobby and Sarah, happy draft week. Here's my 2023 mock draft. Here we go. I have a feeling that the receiver class isn't getting as much attention around the league as it is in Baltimore, and some of these guys are going to slide. I'm surprised to see at least three of those players available in mocks when the Ravens select. Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State is a killer player, and we'd be lucky to have him, but my gut is telling me that Zay Flowers fits our team a little better. If they're both there at 22, don't be surprised if Zay is the pick. And he goes on to include his his sixth round in the Ravens case mock draft with Zay Flowers off the top at one at 22. He doesn't specify whether it's 22, but let's just assume that that he's not trading back a wide receiver out of Boston College. Round three, Tyreek Stevenson, corner out of Miami. Round four, Nick Herbig, an edge out of Wisconsin. Round five, he's got Mike Morris, defensive end, Michigan, perhaps Calais's replacement. And round six. Daniel Scott, safety, California. Let me know what you think. Well, obviously, Sarah, we've we've heard and talked a lot about Zay Flowers, productive wide receiver, man. Wow, what a career at Boston College. And there's quite a few guys that, uh, you know, act the so-called experts out there that think if, if he is there or they just they refer to him as the best top wide receiver in the class. Some people think that JSN is exactly that. I've heard some reports that uh, I think this is even for Mel Kuyper who recently said that if if Jackson Smith and Jigba is on the board at 22, the Ravens are staying put and they're taking him. If he's not, they might be trading back. I think he suggested that. So we know he's a Baltimore guy through and through. Um, hey, you know, to each his own. But uh, Zay is is very, very productive. And I think the key here, if you if you look at this, you know, with, with importance, like I think a lot of people do, especially in draft rooms, they didn't have that that injury knock that JSN unfortunately did at Ohio State. You know who is absolutely head over hills in love with Zay Flowers, and it comes as no surprise. It is Steve Smith Sr. <laughs> because that man, I don't know if bias is the right word, but he won't be biased against smaller receivers, obviously since he was a smaller receiver himself. And so I think he sees maybe a little bit of himself in Flowers. Um I mean, he just, I mean, if you go and you watch, um, Steve Smith has his own YouTube page, uh, but they put out really good um, shorts over there. And like, if you watch the 60 second short on Flowers, you'd think that Flowers is like the next, like biggest thing, but he's just like, this is a top tier day one plug and play receiver. He's tough, this and that. And I do, I would love the fit with him in the receiver group. I mean, um, he played on the inside and outside at, at Boston College. So he and and uh, OBJ could maybe play around a little bit. You don't know where they're going to line up type of a thing. But if you even put him on the slot, OBJ and Rashad Bateman on the outside, and then you've got Mark Andrews in there. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Because even though he's small, like I remember they asked Steve on Steve Smith on the uh, the podcast. They're like, yeah, but the knock is how how tall he is. And Steve goes, how tall is he? And the guy gives him the measurements. I can't remember if it's 5'9 or 5'10. And uh, Steve goes, no, I'll tell you how tall he is. He's playmaking tall, you know? And he's like, it doesn't matter if you can make the plays and you can, like, bring the ball in. And if you watch his highlights, he really can with that that small bo- body. He can – he is tough, like pound for pound. He might be the toughest wide receiver uh, in this draft. But let's do this really quickly. I know we need to pick up the pace a little bit. But let's ask – let's – Let's do what we asked Jason from Huddle Up the Films, um, or Huddle Up Films. Let's let's do what he did. Give me the three guys that you think it's one of these three guys if the Ravens stay put at twenty-two. Oh man, the three guys. Now this is on the spot. I know you didn't prepare for it. Yeah, no, that's okay though. Well, I, I just get the sense that based on how the board falls, and I'm I'm also thinking about what Emery Hunt told me when you were in Japan, who who's the CEO of a football game plan. And he knows these prospects like, like no other, mm-hmm. he, he keeps telling, he, he told, and I, I just went back and, and combed through some of it to get ready for this. And he really feels strongly that the wide receiver class in terms of depth this year, can't hold a candle to the cornerback the corner class. Yeah. Yes. 
And I know that's not like groundbreaking news, but it just it reminded me of of one thing. I just get the sense that based on how the the board falls, I would not be surprised if if there's a number of um, wide receivers still on the board, and they're like, you know what? We feel like we can get great value if we trade back here to the second round. We're going to have a corner that we really love. We're also going to accumulate a pick. And because the first round hasn't been, you know, wide receivers haven't been flying off the board, we feel like we might be able to get our guy as well in the 50 range or something along those lines, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I, I was listening to Emery and, and, and he stood out. Anyway, oh my gosh. Give me I need three to gather games, my thoughts Bobby. on this. Do you have your three first? I need, <laughs> yeah, I need to I'll, gather my thoughts for a second. I'll, I'll put, I'll, put, I'll say, and listen, if, it tra- if there's a big trade back, this could change. Um, I feel like one of the, these three will be there. Yeah. Flowers, Deontay Banks, Forbes. Okay. Emmanuel Forbes. And he's the big, you know, pick six guy, Emmanuel Forbes. We all know Deontay yeah. Banks. He's from Maryland. Um, I think, he, I think he could play day one. Uh, Forbes would be like a nice compliment to, to, uh, Marlon Humphrey. He could fill sort of that Marcus Peters, uh, interception role. Uh, cause that's really not Humphrey's game. And then I feel like, yeah, the, if I feel like the first wide receiver will be Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, I think flowers could be taken. I mean, the chargers are right before the Ravens. They, they love themselves some, some wide receivers also. So maybe flowers won't be there, but those are the three I'm coming. I'm kind of looking at. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I'll go. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think JSN is going to be off the board by then just because of, I, I know some of the injury concerns were there, but this dude played on a, on a Ohio state team a couple of years ago with like multiple first round receivers that are in the NFL at this point. So I think they're going to lean on, on, you know, his, his past rather than his injury concerns, or at least his upside, I guess you could say, but I guess I'll go with, with flowers Addison and then I got to pick a cornerback too, obviously. So you went with Banks. I had I Banks Porter, and Forbes in there. Yeah. Yeah, you went with Banks and Forbes. Porter's gonna be long gone, right? You would think. Oh boy, it's so How weird. About- I feel like in the last week, right before the draft, there's always weird reports that come out. And I think Peter King wrote something just on Monday saying that like Porter could fall out of the first round. And I'm like, is this one of those smoke screens that they're using? you know, yeah. King to get out there or whatever. Cause I'm like, how is it that this guy was once considered like, e- you know, elite up there with, you know, Gonzalez and Witherspoon. Oh, and by the way, did you end up listening to who was still on the board when I was yes. picking? Yes. I'm looking at his name right now. Go ahead and, and <laughs> <laughs> revisit that. Oh my gosh. 
sorry I got off topic here, but I'm like, I go on this. If you didn't want to listen to the morning vault, uh, what would it be? Tuesday morning. I'm losing my days here. Tuesday morning. Anyway, Monday, you know, I get invited on to go on this, you know, Vegas radio show, which was super fun. They had a lot of great personalities on that show. And uh, anyway, they give me this like handwritten book. Uh, picture like a, just as just like he took a picture off of his phone and sent it to me it was kind of blurry like the the names weren't totally aligned as you go across the sheet it's not like it was computer where you could like easily see how it's all aligned and uh, I'm like reading this thing and I'm like am I reading this right I'm like I'm at number 22 and you know uh, Gonzalez was gone of course and Joey Porter was gone Deontay Banks was gone um jay flowers was gone jackson smith and jigba was gone i'm like oh man so i thought you know maybe one of these like would i thought flowers or banks might have fallen and then all of a sudden i'm like well who i was like do they really take this many cbs this early and i start going through and i'm like where is witherspoon am i reading this right am i am i reading this is like this blurry or whatever and uh so they put me on the clock i'm like supposed to just name my name but i didn't want to be i didn't want to sound like an idiot and say witherspoon's name and then they were like uh yeah sarah he's taken like why would you even think he's there at 22 so i had to ask her i was like is this real that witherspoon you know is is still there and like they were like you are reading this correctly we've been shocked this whole time i was like man if witherspoon really you know slip through the cracks which won't happen i was like that would be that would be classic ravens where they just sit there and wait for value to fall to them oh yeah yep. yeah we, we, we've yeah. seen it we've seen it multiple years so uh so anyway just to finish my three i guess i'll go flowers addison and I, as much as i'm looking at the cornerback room right now now you got me thinking well go stick your neck out there because best player available they're gonna die on that sword you know and, and they haven't died yet right they're still running 27 years later so Maybe I'll lean on the the the, the pre visit the pre draft visit that they took with uh, Nolan Smith at edge rusher. Uh, that that was sort of a a potential candidate to fall. Um, and I think if he's there at twenty two, the Ravens might. I know you know some of their edge edge rusher isn't exactly a a huge concern in terms of priority mm-hmm. level, but there are some you know there are some question marks in that room. I would say from a from an injury category standpoint. So. I'll go with him, but but like just to, before we move on, I, I, I'm really starting to feel like they have five total picks. Eric has said time and time again throughout this entire offseason, or he's all but said, Sarah, that he's losing sleep over the fact that they only have five. They had six in the fourth round combined last year total in the <laughs> entire fourth round. So um, I, I just where are you going to accumulate picks? How are you going to accumulate picks? You know, and. I think yeah. they could definitely do so by by trading back. So anyway, yeah. not to get too into the weeds there, but just real quick, just to clarify, so we have this on record, you don't even have a corner in your in your three that the Ravens could select. I'm leaning. I'm leaning on what Emery told me because of how how much depth there is in the class. I think right, they can get right. good value, assuming that one of those. I'm looking at Jason's board right now. Our guy Jason Smith. You can go back into the archives, episode number 247. Shameless plug for our guy from Huddle It Up Films. <laughs> And he's got three. He told us this thing's color coded, Sarah. And there are three, three, three cornerbacks in the green, the dark green. Uh, that's Gonzalez, Witherspoon, and Porter. But then he's got a little light green here, right? Spring kind of light green, pre, uh, pre sprung, if you will, with Banks and Forbes. And then he's got what is this? Light pink, Cam Smith, Turner, Ringo Stevenson. I don't know. Maybe I'm colorblind. Regardless, based on what. Jason told us in his prospect breakdown and the big board analysis and what Emery Hunt told me last month. This is a deep freaking room, and I think you can get good value, not necessarily right off the top at 22. All right. All right. Got you. (laughs) I love it. All right. Maurice Givens, we definitely need to pick up the pace here. It's already, you know, well, what we're doing is 837, so we got to pick up the pace here. So I'll answer this one quickly. Maurice Givens says, uh, huge fan, longtime listener. What if Lamar actually is playing? What if Lamar is actually playing his negotiations more so for weapons over groundbreaking money? What if he is such a competitor that he's leveraging wanting more money for better weapons? Something the Ravens have never done. Thank you guys. Go flock. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Lamar wanted more weapons. In fact, even though the the story was presented in two different ways from Josina and uh, Lombardi. Uh, 
you know, Lombardi presented it as like as if he gave an ultimatum and Joe Cena presented it as if he just expressed a desire that the Ravens go after DeAndre and OBJ. So I think, yeah, that gives validity to the idea that Lamar wants more. Those are two different reporters who don't communicate and have gotten similar stories. Uh, so, yeah, I think that Lamar probably does want upgraded weapons. Do I think that that's really what the holdup is about all this? No, no, not at all. I mean, he could he could walk into Eric's office at any point and say that kind of stuff. And uh, you guys would just have to know the personalities of like the front office. I mean, it, they're not even to somebody who was low on the podium toll. They wouldn't just be like, yeah, no, you know, they like they listen. You know what I mean? So if their franchise quarterback came to them and said, hey, Will you guys go check out OBJ or or DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think he would need to threaten this two year, you know, holdout, you know, just because he wanted more weapons. So, uh, yes, I think he wants more weapons. Do I think this whole thing is about that? No, I do not. Next up is Jordan Fitchett. He writes, uh, "Do you think the split would be going up to the 150 at signing versus the 133?" And he, of course, he's referring to. Uh, the contract that we know was or is still on the table back from September that was the figures were leaked last month, um, more than likely by the NFL Players Association to Schefter and uh, Mortensen. Jordan writes up, maybe the talks between Lamar and the Ravens aren't about the contract details, but maybe about seeing what happens with D-Hop before Lamar signs. I mean, this is kind of what you were just getting at there with the whether it was an ultimatum or not. Uh, I, I don't know if going up to 150 is going to be enough for Lamar. Uh, like we said, Joe Cena told us that he's looking for, you know, at least structurally speaking, at, at some point along the line, it's, he's been looking at, at a similar, you know, a desire of, of, of a similar deal that Deshaun Watson got. So not sure if 150 is going to cut it, uh, but clearly he saw an opportunity um, to to enhance and boost the wide receiver room. They've done reportedly half of what he wanted them to do and we'll see if DeAndre is still on the table if we're going through Pac-Man Jones who's a close friend of of DeAndre it looks like it's coming down between Buffalo and Baltimore and regardless Sarah I think it's probably coming down on draft weekend which should make this a fireworks kind of night if it had if it happens on opening night so um yeah um, yeah, I would just add real quick that like there's no reason really for the Ravens. Again, I've taken, as we've debated already, I've taken Lamar's side a little bit in terms of he gets to wait it out as long as he wants to and goes after certain principles or whatever. He he has the prerogative to do that. Now, on from the late Ravens' point of view, why after seeing the market thus far in Jalen Hurts' deal and all these other quarterbacks minus Deshaun Watson, they've offered the highest amount of fully guaranteed money. Why would they just up it by another 17 million when no other quarterback other than Deshaun Watson is getting anywhere close? Like they would just be bidding against themselves. They've clearly have given him. Um, I mean, again, they could add the fluff on that, that Jalen Hurts got in terms of trying to get the APY up. That's easy to do. Add it into the back end of a long year deal that probably won't, that will probably be restructured before you get there. So that stuff is easy, but it's the guaranteed stuff that's hard. And so the Ravens have already done plenty there. I just don't see what the motivation is from their end to do that when the market is saying at this point, unless something changes, the market is saying that that's the highest, the highest out there minus Deshaun Watson. All right, Brian Spar, Bobby and Sarah greatly enjoyed Sarah's analysis of different kinds of guarantees and contracts. To me, me not enough. <laughs> appreciate you guys. Uh, to me, not enough analysis has been given to injury guarantees. How does what Lamar has been offered compare to other quarterbacks? It seems the financial protection a player really wants is for a career-ending injury in the first year of the contract. So he's got two questions here. Let me start with that. Brian, I wish that was a number that was um, really easy to find. Um, a lot of like the different, um, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like the figures and contracts, like you could go to different, like over the cap or spa track and they literally have lists for all these different categories. I don't 
see a list for the category of injury guarantees. Um, but um, perhaps the closest thing to it or is, is the practical, practical guaranteed, which is at the end. I believe that, I don't know if it's the same for all quarterbacks. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the same for all quarterbacks because all these deals can be written differently, but practical guarantees is probably another one because it's practical because it, it is by the end of the first year, this other money kicks in. And so the, the 175, again, we don't have all the details of Lamar's, but the 175, um, was said to be his injury guaranteed. And I do remember that the 179 was Jalen's injury guaranteed. That's also listed on spa track for Jalen as the practical guaranteed. So again, I don't know if I'm for sure comparing apples to apples because I don't um, know the details of Lamar's this in depthly. But if you look at practical guaranteed money, um, Deshaun is obviously number one because his is fully guaranteed. Then behind that is Jalen Hurts at 179. And then Lamar, I believe, would be 175. And then Russell Wilson is 161. So, and then everybody else below Russell Wilson is lower. So, um, again, I would have to look more into is, you know, is the injury guaranteed essentially the practically guaranteed? It may differ for for each contract. So I'd have to look into that more because there's not a list that just said that just says guaranteed for injuries on these sites that you typically go to. Anything to add there, Bobby, before I get a second question? Nope. Nope. Okay. Thanks. All right. And then he says, also, what do you make of Trayvon Mullen signing what appears to be a highly guaranteed contract that has gone under the radar for someone who was cut twice last year to get over a million dollars per over the cap and guarantees seems surprising. Thanks, Brian. So Trayvon Mullen, um, in case you know you didn't know, is Lamar Jackson's cousin, and um, I'm trying to look up. I, he's definitely when he says it's uh, gone under the radar, he's right because it's gone under my radar. So I'm going to look him up, and maybe you can move on to the next question as I look him up and up and look at his contract. Well, I got it right here. It's a it's a oh, one okay. year, one point two million dollar deal, uh, including a hundred and fifty two thousand signing bonus. Uh, just, yeah, he, he's right. I mean, over a million is guaranteed. It's, it's, uh, a million 92, five basically. And, uh, again, it's, it's a one-year deal. He is Lamar's cousin. He is a former, as you mentioned, he's a former second round pick. Yes. He has been unable to, to stay healthy, but we know that their cornerback room needs some depth. I think the cousin aspect of it, you don't want to read into it too, too much, but Lamar has been pulling the strings this offseason, as we've learned throughout these last few weeks. And I think that has to be, you know, a, a part of this. Um, he, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. And again, you know, adds a, a layer of depth to, to the team. And with that salary, though, to, you know, to, to Brian's point, you know, he's, he's more than likely going to be on the 53 man roster. <laughs> that's a good, that's a, uh, that's a good find by Brian. Cause I did not realize that. And yeah. How often are you fully guaranteeing, even though it's just a million, right? It's not like it's this blockbuster deal, but still a lot of these guys get cut all the time. So uh, I'm going to have to look into how often that happens. That's a good find by Brian. Next up from Joe in Austria. Hey, Sarah and Bobby, I've written you before and you've shared my question, but now here and now I want to point out why your cast, I like that, cast is elite. <laughs> Sarah has proposed for at least the last year. And oh, I, I know, Joe, this has been a long <laughs> proposal here, okay, that the Ravens will go for Odell Beckham Jr. He, he doesn't mince his words here. I thought this was trash speculation <laughs> for the longest time. <laughs> you and me both, Joe. I won't go as far as trash, but yeah, I thought it was reach, a reach, a pipe dream. How about that? Her insights or knowledge of the team's consciousness were far above the common man's understanding. How did you know this would happen? Bobby, you did a great job holding down the fort while your partner was away. This is hilarious because <laughs> you, you, you definitely um, went in, in all kinds of different directions on this. You were super interested at one point and then, it became time, you know, because you wanted that one of your rental. That's what you wanted last year. And I totally yeah. got where you were at with that. But then once 
once he was ready to go and, and be signed, you know, long term, even though it didn't end up being long term, you were like, whoa, 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 the price tag is is going to be way, way north. And and I, I agreed with you, but I was also like, hey, I think that there's a chance they could be big spenders this offseason for one guy and one guy only. And that's that's for number eight. But uh, hey, regardless of where you were on this, uh, you were you were all over it from the jump. You stood true to your ways. And uh, <laughs> and, and Joe's coming back around to give you some love. Much deserved. Yeah, well, I do think Joe is giving a little too much a little too much credit. I didn't know for sure it was going to happen. To your point, so there's there's two there's two separations here when I when I would look at look at you know free agents or whatever, but specifically wide receiver. The reason why I targeted OBJ is a he fits that just past your prime, but not totally over the hill. Okay, so that 29, 28, 30, 31 range they get a lot of free agents wide receivers in their past around that type of guy. It's also somebody that's burned them in the past. Cause they're like, Holy crap, we couldn't stop them. And so they be, have an admiration. There's quite a few free agents that they've brought in that have done that to them before. Then the final piece is the money. So like you said, Bobby, that's why I was so into it last season. And then I pulled back during the off season. Cause I was like, well, now he's going to be more than just a one year rental and I thought there was no way the Ravens would do what they did with the void years. So yeah. the first year, it made sense on those those three levels. The second year, it made sense at a two to three levels. And I'm still to this day, like shocked that they have four years of void years that, you know, if he's not extended, I can't remember. I think it's like above 10 million that will hit the dead cap if yeah. he's not with the Ravens beyond that. So so when it actually happened, I was a little bit surprised more because the money, but his who he is and the type of guys they usually target is like spot on with what they do. All right. So one more question from Joe. He, these are two different emails, but they, I feel like they're, they're pretty good questions. And again, I, we are running out of time here. So um, he gives us his background of living in Vienna, Austria, which by the way, I've been there. That is such an underrated city in Europe. So everybody talks about Paris or Rome or, you know, all those big ones. Vienna is out of this world gorgeous um but yep. have you been there no it's on my bucket list oh, i want to oh, go okay. during christmas time for the markets yeah yeah so anyway he tells us that he watches the show i mean watches the uh games even at 2 a.m he will watch them all live so uh pretty um <laughs> pretty committed fan there um so he's wanting and maybe bobby you are the perfect man for this he says he's a fan of lamar and doesn't want to see him leave but is there an argument he's asking um, to kind of for moving on? And, you know, what's the pros and cons of that? Oh, man. Well, yeah, there's always an argument to be made for sure <laughs> um, in sports, you know, just just go on first take or whatever. ESPN every single day. They, they make a living off of it. But um, I certainly wouldn't argue. I, I would argue against the thought of of moving on from Lamar. I think everything they've done this offseason has indicated that they are all in on him and not only the coaching staff revampings, but also revamps, I should say, uh, but also obviously the, the Odell Beckham Jr. acquisition and the fact that Lamar obviously played a part in recruiting him. And then, you know, as we said that week when the signing came down, you know, Easter Sunday, Hey, maybe OBJ played a role in recruiting Lamar as well to stay. So, yeah, look, they they're uh, 45 and 16 with this guy as as their starter over the last five seasons. They've won a lot of games. It's been underwhelming in January. Uh, they've underachieved in January, no doubt. And and yeah, he has struggled to stay available back to back seasons. We both feel like it's too premature to refer to him as as injury prone. We we both stand by that. Um, but I think there's well over, you know, assuming without all of these hurdles that teams would have had to have gone through this offseason to, uh, you know, invest and and ultimately take a run at, at Lamar. You put those aside. And I think there's a lot of organizations league wide that that would want this guy under center starting for them. That's not how it worked out this offseason. And maybe that leads some folks to speculate that he's not respected around the league. But I just I think the exact opposite. I think there were too many hurdles in play. We've covered them extensively. And uh, this is a guy who is not being looked at anymore as 
as the golden prize, right? The, the, the Justin Fields of the world, or I even heard Chris Sims recently say that Justin Fields is the fastest player in the NFL. Well, I think Lamar might have something to say about that this year. And um, I think I'm looking forward to putting all of this business stuff to bed. Um, hopefully that happens in the near future, because if he wins games this year, Sarah, I think all that's going to be completely forgotten. It's never going to be forgotten, but it's going to be overlooked for sure. So I'll just say two things that would, would be an argument for moving on. One would be if somebody offered an amazing deal in a trade and, you know, they're getting nowhere. So might as well, you know, take an amazing deal. But th that hasn't happened. And the second thing would be, well, you got to move on if he's not going to say yes to something. Uh, so far, he hasn't said yes to anything. We'll see if he says yes to something. <laughs> but at some point, if he's not going to say yes, then you kind of have to move on. So. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Second to last one, Kevin Redline. I hope you are well and get a chance to check this out. The media and fans have been trashing the Ravens wide receivers and only tell half the story. Their stats are uh, have been good, but as you can see, there was simply not enough volume to see what the wide receivers could do or develop. I attached a JPEG as well as a PDF. <laughs> Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I looked I at the know. JPEG. I don't know if you did, but it's just showing that wide receivers don't get a lot of passes because it's been a run first offense. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. what was your reaction? Well, it's just that, I mean, it's true that the receivers don't get the volume that other guys do, but I think that they've had plenty of volume uh, to prove what they can do. And if, um, if listen, if it was successful, the Ravens would have done it more. And so, I mean, there's something to what Kevin's saying, but, you know, like, for example, like you and I, and again, you, you're discounting what you see in practice and all that kind of stuff. Like you earn those opportunities through success. Everybody that becomes a superstar, it wasn't given to them. They earn it little by little and they earn more and more opportunities. So um, I understand what Kevin's saying, but, I don't think that I can say, well, we just don't know how good somebody like, and I would also say most of the guy, most <laughs> the wide receivers that have left the Ravens minus Torrey Smith or guys that were not who were drafted here or whatever, nobody really goes on to other teams and suddenly has all this success. So if the Ravens, if they were being terrible in Baltimore, but went elsewhere and had all this success, then there might be some legitimacy there, but this is a, you know, uh, this is a problem that's been going on forever. And so anyway, we'll end with Jay Raynor. Love the podcast. You guys are doing some amazing work. Just wanted to mention that I'd love to see Engraven on the show. Or you guys on Engraven's channel, keep up the good work. Jordan, yeah. I've been on Engraven's show. It was before we started ours, but we 1,000% should have an invite for Engraven. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been on yeah. his channel. You've been on his channel. And we actually had him on the podcast in our opening month. So we'll definitely be revisiting that at some point. We got a lot of respect for what Ng does uh, on, on in the YouTube platform within the Ravens Twitter space and, uh, you know, just content creation in general. He, he is a big fish. So I think that's a great place to, to end this, this monthly mailbag episode. As always, we always get to our patrons off the top, like we said, and we're always looking to expand what we're doing on Patreon. So if you're interested in donating to the channel, you don't want to do so on a one-time basis. You also want some incentive in there as well consider checking out what we're offering on Patreon by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. Sarah and I are gearing up for our live stream, which again is eight o'clock Eastern Thursday night, opening night of the 2023 NFL draft. We're fired up about it, partner. And for Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this one. It's April 25th. We're getting ready for a big week. We hope you'll join us. And thanks so much for the support, the continued support here inside the vault.